Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Ashe Ashe from Michael and Ricky Beckwith, our friends at Agape in beautiful Southern California. So always, you know, we love when you can join us on the air and um, learn more about your inner capacity and to learn from experts and individuals who have explored particular techniques that are helping uh, to awaken consciousness and to awaken our world because we are looking at an age of awakening. We are looking at an age of being woke, as they say in maybe the urban community. But there's something in the spirit that um, is calling us to be more a 
have that divine, noble, kind, strong. I don't want you to think to be kind and sweet and loving is weak. I'm talking about where it is a force, you know, like when you enter into a room, everyone feels safe. There is something sacred in the presence. There is something that uplifts your spirit even before you look at the image. Individuals can sense there's something going on here. Have you ever walked into a room and you could just feel the energy or the vibrations of what's been happening in this room? I remembered once um, we were invited by Perialis organization. And we were staying at a hotel in Beijing. And that was fine. Our first time was fine. We got a tour. The mayor took us around. We went to Zingdao, and uh, we went back. We came back to Beijing, and, and then our rooms had changed at the hotel. We were rebooked in another room. And the moment I walked into that room, I was like, I can't stay here. I can't. There's something. I can't stay in this room. It was fine. Physically, it looked fine. But I remember just, I can't stay here. Something really bad happened in here. And it was like at 11 o'clock at night by the time we got in. And I had to tell the concierge, please, you have to relocate me to another room. I cannot stay here. And so it turned out that later on I realized that there was something that happened there. And it was just like, geez, clear out your rooms before you bring sensitive people like me in spaces like this. And so I think similarly with consciousness, with your thoughts, your our behavior, the way we think about another person, the way we definitely think about ourselves, the way we maybe project how we think our lives should be in the future. All of that is vibrating. All of that is creating either an awakened state, which means qualities of love and power and peace are are permeating through you, or if your thoughts are not very positive and they're moving into fear, lies, deception, ego, anger, then you're sleeping. And in your sleep stage... Uh, There's so much fear and there's so much um, tension that you really feel like you're going backwards, like you really aren't progressing. You might be making money, but your happiness isn't there. Stay tuned. We're going to be having a heart-to-heart conversation with Drs. Ron and Mary Hulnick, and they're going to help us to remember the light within. Before I get the doctors on, let us do what we do best and do a little bit of reflection. You know, just to center ourselves and get ourselves quite clear and real and in a state of awakened. Here is Inner Light from the Just a Minute Meditation CD. Inner Light. Taking just a minute, I relax my body and become aware of my inner light. Visualize each one of my thoughts weaving itself into this light. I draw from my heart the power of inner peace and the light of love. My thoughts are filled with compassion and forgiveness. patience and tolerance.
everyone. Welcome back. That was Dinah Ross. Reach out and touch somebody's hand. And prior to that, we were listening to Sister Genti on the Just a Minute Meditation CD entitled Inner Light. Today, we're proud to welcome Drs. Ron and Mary Hulnick. They're pioneers and worldwide leaders in the field of spiritual psychology, as well as teachers and facilitators of awakening and consciousness. They're renowned educators, authors, and the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica, where they have designed, developed, and facilitated educational programs for the past 35 years. Both are licensed marriage and family therapists, and Mary is a licensed clinical psychologist. Their newest book is entitled Remembering the Light Within. Today we welcome both Drs. Ron and Mary Hulnick. Welcome to America Meditating. How are you? Well, we're just uh, glad to be here. We love that opening. Mm -hmm. Hi, it's so nice to meet you, and we're delighted to be with you. Me too, Mary. Thank you so much. I love, I don't know if you know this, we've organized uh, 18 projects in Washington the last 20 years that we've been here, and one of them was during the time that we had the sniper shooting in D.C. It was chaos. So we had found this Australian artist 
that designed three levels of consciousness. There was the world, there was this world of light, and there was this supreme region of silence. And we called it remembering, like remember mm. me. So oh, when I heard beautiful. about your book, yeah, when I heard about your book, Remembering the Light Within, I was so drawn to that. So I definitely want to go right into this and talk more about the book, the inspiration behind it, and what can we kind of, you know, get a peep into, capture what's in this new book that you've both done. Well, this book really comes out of our many years of working with thousands of students who have come to the University of Santa Monica to study spiritual psychology with us. And essentially, the curriculum has been experiential and designed to assist people in waking up into the spiritual context, experientially knowing that they are a divine being having a human experience and that we can walk through this world in the awareness of our essential nature, which is loving and joyful, peaceful, creative, and intentional. So when we talk about intentionality, it can hit us very deeply because even in my own life, I can observe where my intentions could be purer. How do you teach that? Like, How do you get that as an awakened clarity or an education for us, because it's definitely a need in these times. It is such a need in this time. Part of it is we draw a distinction between goal line intentions, intentions that have to do with our relationship to physical world reality, intentions that have to do with work and career, relationship, finances, health, those things that are very much part of the goal line of life. And we distinguish those from soul line intentions, which really have to do with awakening, that have to do with residing in higher consciousness, that have to do with how we comport and conduct ourselves in our daily life. I'd say they are much more aspirational, inspirational, and yet profoundly transformational and very practical in terms of the shift that they can make in the experience of what goes on day to day. I love that. Ron, we're looking at, you know, spiritual psychology is in which both of you have pioneered in. And where I can understand it maybe, I could intuitively understand what spiritual psychology is. I mean, how do the students decode spiritual psychology? I mean, what exactly is it? Well, this is, I mean, you've asked a wonderful question, and it's probably... Uh, a foundational question because we focus on turning ideas and thoughts that people have into experiences. The word knowledge usually today means to know about something, to know of something. So it's geared toward the mind and learning facts and uh, when we have a lot of facts about something we're said to be knowledgeable in that area and if we have a tremendous amount of facts we even can become a doctorate in that, in that area. But that doesn't mean you really know the area because you can only really know something when you have an experience of that thing that you're talking about. And this is why in our classrooms, the time that people spend there is really highly, highly, highly experiential. And so we'll start out, for example, and put people into uh, small groups and just have them talk about certain things, but 
the talk is focused on a subject, but that's not what's important. What's important is that the act of being together in this certain kind of a way automatically starts to reveal the compassionate nature that each, each person inherently has inside and that sense of connection with another person. Once you start having that experience, it doesn't take long to continue to develop that line of energy as in the way you spoke of it earlier. Uh, people start to have that experience, and if you really just continue to have them talk about it, about it, about it, what was your experience, what was your experience, they start to awaken into the energy of the experience. And as you very well know, it's when you start to have the experience of the energy of something that you really begin to know what that something is. Like you spoke of the room in Beijing. I used to travel with my first teacher. When we would go into a hotel to spend the night, I'd have to get three keys from the (laughs) management because it would take three times usually before she found a room where the energy in there was compatible for us staying there Mm. overnight. Mm -hmm. So I really could understand what you were saying. And I can tell you the world right now is in such an, a unique energetic place that we, I don't know if three keys are enough. We might need like a locksmith <laughs> just to kind of break through what we're feeling and, and, oh and what's happening globally. Absolutely. And it's foreordained. It's been, it's been predicted mm-hmm. for some time. So techniques. Uh, could both of you share with us techniques that you can offer our amazing listeners to remove the barriers in their consciousness? I think one of the great practices that is game-changing is learning the difference between ego-reference thinking and I'll call it authentic self-reference thinking. Very often, ego-reference thinking is caught up in the duality of good, bad, right, wrong. And so very often, we look through harsher eyes, judgmental eyes, and if we can begin to recognize that we can see through soul-centered eyes, the eyes of our heart, that we can see with kind eyes, soft eyes, compassionate eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, from my point of view, this is one simple technique that really can begin to change everything because it brings people more into the experience of their own loving essence inside and they begin to look for the loving essence in other people rather than being caught up in judging them. We're very keen on providing people with experiences that test out some of the things that they take on faith or that they believe. So, for example, one of the basic skills we would talk about at USM is what we would refer to as seeing the loving essence, seeing the loving essence. So here's something that all of your listeners can try out for a day and then see what the result of it is. So from the time you wake up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night, what you do is everywhere you go and everyone you see, the first thought in your mind is, there is a divine spiritual being who is having a human experience. So here you are in the supermarket. Gee, there is a a woman wheeling a child in a shopping cart. Two divine beings who are having the experience of being here today and hopefully learning from their experience. And you go, and here I am in the supermarket or wherever I am. 
I'm just reminding myself I'm a divine being. I'm a loving, essentially loving being. I'm I'm having this experience today. Isn't that interesting? And mm-hmm. go through a whole day like that and then see what your experience is and what you learned by the end of the day. That kind of thing. And we've created just, I don't know how many practices we have at this point in time. I, I know it's at least over 33 of them. How do the students receive the teachings there? Do you find that they're very receptive? They are extremely receptive. Wow. Our students are amazing. They are hungry for this. They begin in the very first weekend to learn practical application of the principles and practices that we teach, and we encourage them. I send them a monthly support letter every month in between classes that is one of the support and encouragement to continue working with the things that they learned in class and begin to try them out in their relationship. We had a beautiful experience a couple of months ago in class. A gentleman was sharing with us about the shift in his relationship with his 17-year-old son. He and his son had been estranged to the degree that his son was not living at home. And through practicing uh, just the basics of seeing the loving essence and heart-centered listening, he had shifted the communication pattern with his son. Their relationship was Uh, back in the loving, and his son was once Mm. again living at home. I cannot tell Mm. you how ecstatic this man was because obviously his relationship with his son was extremely important to him. Uh, I'll Mm. share another example with you. This past, uh, the, the latest class that we had earlier this month, this is the ninth weekend for the, this particular group of students working together with us. And we teach a technique that we call freeform writing. We speak of it in the book as write and burn. And it's a tool that people can use to really just write about whatever is present in their consciousness with the intention of releasing it, with really clearing it and letting go. And he's been doing freeform writing in the process it became a letter to God, and he mm. shared things that he had never shared with anyone. He wrote them in this letter to God, and he completed the preform writing. He got up and went to the kitchen to get a drink of water, and all of a sudden he started receiving a download, and the mm. download was a letter from God to him, and he went back mm. and, and wrote that. I mean, those mm. kinds of experiences are so profound and so life-changing. And the energy that he shared it from was so filled with love. Uh, I don't think there was a dry eye in the room, and there's well over 100 people sitting there. So when people hear that and it touches them experientially in their heart, they are essentially having a spiritual experience. But they wouldn't know that if we weren't operating in this context of spiritual psychology. And we have seen people go through the experience and out the other side and never know they were there. So by having the format of the class and talking about these things over and over and over again, people establish a context that when they have experiences, they can understand them in that context. And that changes everything. 
And that's one of the reasons why we wrote this book. So now, thank you for that. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Since our outer experience is a reflection of our inner reality, what role would you say the ego plays in identifying or misidentifying what is real and what is an illusion? You know what I mean? Well, the ego really plays a very important role because without an ego, we really couldn't function very well in a physical world reality. The authentic self, or soul we could call it, all it really knows, its essence, is love. And Mm -hmm. you can't really, if you were living that way on this planet, you would probably have to go to a cave somewhere and just be by yourself and be in that state, Uh, which is how I know I'm not a totally realized being because I'd require a Starbucks not far from my cave. So, But the ego being important has become the master in physical world reality for most people. And so that's the loud voice that you hear. And occasionally we hear what's referred to as the still small voice within. And what spiritual psychology is, is a set of principles and practices that over time begin to shift that balance so that you start to hear the voice of the authentic self more and the voice of the ego less. And so over time, you begin to be more authentic self-driven and less ego-driven. And you still use your ego to function in the world, but the ego becomes the servant and the authentic self becomes the master than rather the other way around, which it is for most people. And the other Mm. thing I would say about it is that the ego really fosters the misidentification of ourselves as unworthy. The ego has many, many patterns that assist in that process of the misidentification. First of all, one of the most prevalent ego patterns is control. And the ego is designed to keep us operating within five-sense reality, the ego only knows uh, its comfort zone and the familiarity of that. It doesn't really know about the soul. It may have heard about it, and it may grasp it as a concept, but it doesn't have that experience. And I think also the ego is very concerned with comfort, with familiarity, with security. Mm. And so it wants to maintain the status quo, and when you start talking about things like soul and awakening, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like the ego begins to realize the, that it, the, the possibility is game over. Wow, I love that. That's very profound. Are you on a book tour? Is there any place that oh. we can go to find you? <laughs> well, <laughs> you can go to our <laughs> website, the University of Santa Monica edu. We're, our calendar of events is there. Our book tour, we've been several places, but we have been doing a lot of radio shows, such as this one with you, which, given our teaching schedule, has been a, a much more effective way for us to, to do outreach about the book. One of the things that, that uh, people can do once a year, we have a, uh, a weekend called Loyalty to Your Soul, so people have the experience of what we're talking about here. It's very profound what can happen in a weekend if you let yourself. And that's going to be in August, so people can uh, come there. And people can just come visit. We like visitors. <laughs> we're friendly people. 
I love that. So the next time I'm in California, I'll make sure I come by to see both of you. Yes. Please do. We would love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the air today, and many good wishes for remembering the light within your new book. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. Take care. Many good wishes. So it gets to a point that there's hope in the world, everyone. What I would have done to have been in a university that was teaching me spiritual psychology. I didn't have to wait until life just unfolded for me to try to figure out who I was and what I was doing. You're a spiritual being having a really uh, powerful experience if you're open to it. Thanks to Drs. Ron and Mary Holnick, beautiful spirits. Definitely going to see them when I'm next out in Southern California. So I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. We are here to love each other the same, so let's do that. Thank you to Arco Iris Foundation for supporting the show today. And always remember, stay strong, stay by our radio show with a song by Lucinda Drayton called You. Take care, everyone. Over 30,000 homeless children live in the streets of La Paz, Bolivia. Most of these children live on the bridges and cemeteries or wherever they can find shelter. They eat whatever they can find, steal or beg. Father Joseph Maria Neuenhofer, a German priest, has dedicated his entire life in helping these children. For the last 23 years, Foundation Arco Iris, founded and led by Father Neuenhofer, has helped thousands of these children in providing shelter, food, education, and medical care through the Foundation's hospital. For more information and to donate to Foundation Arco Iris, go to www.arcoirisamerica.org.